Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Caught at the 20, racing near sideline 10, turn of the 5, touchdown Raiders! The crowd applauds because Las Vegas just win, baby! Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. And here we are, kicking off hour number two of the show, Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio, 920. Demond Cotton and your boy Q. Question that I threw out there on the don'tbebroke.com text line, which is 69187, keyword r What are your th- top three options for the Raiders to do at the top of the NFL draft? Of course, it gets started April 27th in Kansas City. What is your plan A, B, and C? Because when you go through the draft, you better have multiple plans because plan A is not guaranteed to shake out that way. Mike hit us up on Twitter and said, A, trade up for Stroud. B, draft best defensive player. And C, trade back. That's from Mike on Twitter. Now joining us on the phone lines is a guy who knows a lot about the mock drafts and trading back and trading up and doing all that good stuff. That's Ian Cummings from Pro Football Network. Has a piece out and his seven-round mock draft for all 32 teams. It says 2023 NFL mock draft. Will it be Bryce Young? C.J. Stroud or Anthony Richardson for the Panthers. And, Ian, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. We definitely appreciate you. And, first of all, great job on your seven-round mock draft. I know that wasn't easy. I just went through your Pro Football Network's uh, simulator, and I stressed and stressed and stressed, and I think I traded myself out of some good players uh, on the simulator. And that was just trading, and that was just uh, drafting for the Raiders. How difficult was it to go through seven rounds for all 32 teams? Man, I can't tell you. It's a love and hate relationship, man, because, you know, you love going through and kind of identifying all the different potential fits. But at the same time, even in the later round, day three, you want to make sure that you are, you know, aligning with what the team needs and also how the team uses particular players and what thresholds they're looking for. So it's always a great predictive exercise to go through, right? But it is a, it's quite a hassle. I'll tell you that. I know I stress for, you know, around six or seven hours just making the selections, right? Just kind of figuring out what you want to do. But it's fun because at the end of the day, you know, I think this draft class in particular is one of the deeper ones that we've seen. And even in the day three range, you can get very talented players. Well, tip of the cap to you, because, again, you did a fantastic job. And, of course, I'm paying attention to every, every selection that you have for the silver and black. And, Ian, I've told anyone who will listen that it's, if it's not Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, I don't think the Raiders will try to trade up to number three with the Cardinals to get a quarterback. Well, in your mock draft, one of those guys was available, and that was uh, Bryce Young. And so they went and made the trade and the selection of Bryce Young. Uh, what made you think that Anthony Richardson was the good fit at number one with Carolina, which obviously pushed C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young down a, a selection? Yeah, I think at that number one overall pick, it could be any one of them. It's still the Panthers have done a really good job not tipping the cap as to what they're going to do. I think with Anthony Richardson, ultimately the prerequisite that you're looking for is, you know, we know he is insanely talented. I mean, this is a guy who's six foot four, 244 pounds, ran a 443, 40-yard dash, 40 and a half inch vertical. I mean, he's an insane athlete. He's got a rocket arm, all the physical tools that you want. But the prerequisite is you have the support system necessary to help develop him and help get him to the ceiling that he has. Because that ceiling, if he can reach it, is game-breaking, right? But I look at the Panthers, Frank Reich, a experienced offensive mind. You know, they got Thomas Brown coming from the Rams. They have a solid offensive line in place already. They've got Adam Thalen, a veteran in the receiving core. They added DJ Chark. I think that they have most of the prerequisites in Andy Dalton as well, a veteran bridge quarterback who can help Richardson along. And, you know, Richardson doesn't have to start right away if you don't want to rush him into action. So I think all of the prerequisites are there for a quarterback like Richardson. I do think that Richardson has a higher floor than people have kind of insinuated. I think that athleticism that he has 
can naturally help him withstand adversity early on in the NFL. But the bottom line is, if you have that support system in place, then I think it's a very viable argument to bank on a high-ceiling quarterback in a league where you're facing Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and Justin Herbert in the playoffs. You might need that high-talent guy to get yourself over the hump, and I think Richardson has the tools to do that. So ultimately, it's kind of evaluating whether they have that support system, and if they do, taking that swing because you got to swing for the defenses. You know, Anthony Richardson's had 13 career uh, college starts there at Florida. So a lot of people say, well, he's not ready in the league, so he's going to have to sit. I kind of counter that and say, Ian, he might need to play. Not saying all the time, but he might just need to get his feet on the grass, you know, and just get some action. Do you think that whatever team decides to get him, they should at least put some packages together to get his feet wet in the NFL? Absolutely. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't line out a, an amount of games to set him, right? I think that you're absolutely right. He has very little experience, so getting him out there is the key. And especially at Florida, right, I think he can improve his accuracy, the situational placement, right? Sometimes he gets a little out of sync with his mechanics. But when you're looking for the necessary mental building blocks to play QB, the anticipation over the middle of the field, the ability to manipulate defenders with your eyes and open up windows, kind of create at the second level, he can do that. He's shown he can do that. He's got very good pocket navigation skills, too. So I actually think that Richardson is, you know, he's definitely a little underdeveloped, but that, that is a prerequisite. Or that's kind of a, uh, that's kind of a product. That's something that's produced from his lack of experience, I guess. I was trying to find the right word. But <laughs> you mentioned it, 13 games, it's not a lot of games for a quarterback. So naturally he is going to have some things that he needs to work on, but the building blocks are there. He has shown them. So I think ultimately, yeah, maybe you put Dalton out there for the first three or four games, but eventually you are going to want to get Richardson out there because reps is what he needs, and that's what he's, what he's going to get. You know, and on your mock draft, again, you had the Raiders taking Bryce Young at number three, and they had to give up the number seven overall pick, the number 70 overall pick, and a 2024 first-rounder. Do you think that there's going to be a bunch of teams? We heard the report today from Shefty that, you know, there's six teams that already called and trying to get uh, gauge the interest of the Arizona Cardinals. I believe that they're going to trade out of that no matter who it is. Somebody's going to trade up for that number three spot. But do you think the 7, 70, and 2024 first-rounder is pretty reasonable, or do you think that it can get a lot more of uh, – you know, almost like a bidder's war uh, the closer we get to the draft or even on draft day. Yeah, I certainly think it could. And, you know, like you said, part of it depends on how many teams are involved in that bidding process, right? You know, I think supply and demand is always what drives the price up. And at at number three overall, you're going to have one of Stroud, Richardson, or Young available, right? So one of those guys, Richardson, the insanely tools-rich prospect, Bryce Young, the guy with the it factor, the guy who scored the highest cognitive test in the entire draft, and then Stroud, who I think has the best mix of high floor and high ceiling traits of all those QBs, right? One of those guys is going to be available at number three. And one of those guys is going to be the bell of the ball when it comes to, you know, the NFL team. So I think, you know, you look at the Colts, who maybe they want to trade up one spot, just make a slight shift up just to ensure that they get their guy. Maybe the Raiders from seven, maybe the Titans at 11, or maybe a wild card like the Patriots, right? There's a lot of different outcomes. And I do think it ultimately depends, you know, whether that offer from the Raiders will be reasonable. It depends on how many bidders there are and how, how you know, far the bidding goes. It could settle there. It could go even farther. It just depends on how high these guys are in these QBs and who's ultimately there. But I think a lot of variables, it could be. We'll see what happens. But, yeah, you, you hear me. Yeah, I wish I could say definitive answer as a draft analyst, but that's the thing that you'll run into so much with draft analysis is it's always in flux. It's always so volatile. That's what makes it exciting. That's mm-hmm. what makes it kind of hard to cover. But 
it's a it's a love hate relationship. That's what makes it stressful. <laughs> yeah, very sure. very stressful. Ian Cummings is our guest here from from uh, the Pro Football Network here on Raider Nation Radio Nine Twenty. Necessary roughness. Demond's got one for you. Yeah, one of our listeners, Sir Whiskey Ray, he texted in and said his option C would be for the Raiders in the draft to just take Peter Skaronski at number seven, but you have him going to the Eagles at number thirty in your mock draft. What do you think would be some of those factors that would lead to Peter Skaronski falling outside of the top ten because he's the consensus number one lineman? in this draft yeah Peter Skaronsky is an interesting one I think um first off you guys start with the pros with him I mean he's a phenomenal athlete phenomenal short area athlete and he can use that to match rushers off the line he's got very smooth footwork I think that was my favorite thing about his game if his footwork is phenomenal you know just keeping himself balanced in and out of transitions you know matching guys and you know for his size you know I think the one of the bigger hang-ups for him it's going to be arm length, you know, under 33-inch arms. You know, that's something that does show up at times with power rushers that can get inside his frame, that can outreach him, and that can be an issue for him. And I think, you know, ultimately my question is, does he have the requisite hand usage to counteract that? You know, I do think he has good hand usage, but his frame gets a little – he opens up his torso a little too much for my liking right now. There's a lot of reps you'll see where he does have the core strength to envelope guys, but he will bear hug guys if they get inside his torso. That can draw penalties and get him off balance. So I think – the arm length does show up as an issue at times for me, and I don't think he has elite power generation capacity with that lack of arm length, right? So, you know, I still think he's a very good lineman. I would maybe consider transitioning him to guard at the next level, but I do think, you know, at some point he's going to be worth it. Number seven is just a little too high for me. I would probably go with a guy like Paris Johnson Jr., who, you know, you look at his profile, six foot six, over 310, over 36 in charms the most explosive lineman in the draft off the line. I mean, he's a road grader, he's a run blocker, very, very high offside as a pass protector. Uh, I would probably look to him first. If you're going to get Skaronsky, maybe trade down. But then we've seen he does go in the mid-first round in a lot of mocks, so maybe he's not there. I think it's up to preference ultimately, but that's my personal take on Skaronsky and where he goes. I just The arm length is it's not a liability issue for him, but it is a concern to know. And back to your mock draft, at number eight, you had the Falcons taking Nolan Smith. How soon do you think Nolan Smith can go in this draft? Because we all know that he wowed at the combine. Everybody's impressed with him. But, hey, if you got him going at number eight, do you think that it'd be a smart move maybe if the Raiders take him at seven? Yeah, you know, I think it's definitely a possibility, right? For the Raiders specifically, I think it depends on how the board falls. Like if uh, Christian Gonzalez is there, you know, and none of the QBs are there. I think that's another prerequisite. You know, if a QB drops to seven and you don't have to trade up for him, you don't have to give up that extra capital, then that's a big variable because you keep that capital to support him and you get that QB So with a bridge quarterback in Jimmy G. So I think a lot depends on how the board falls. No one says could go there, you know, and I don't have him quite that high on my board. But I do concede, you know, the upside is absolutely through the roof with him because you mentioned the combine, ran a 4.39, had a 41.5-inch vertical. I mean, this is a guy who, a little bit undersized, right, and, you know, we're bringing up arm length. That does show up with Smith as an issue, too. I don't think he quite has elite power generation capacity, and sometimes that arm length can cause his rushes to stall out, you know, because he can't outreach guys. But that said, he's already a phenomenal run defender at his size. He's very good at getting inside the torso, acquiring leverage, and he does show promise as a pass rusher. I still want him to keep refining his hands a little bit more, but he's got the burst, he's got the speed, and he has insane bend capacity. So all the tools are there. You know, I think it's just a matter of whether you're willing to take the risk on him and, and bank on that upside, but all the developmental tools are there, and particularly for the Raiders, too. You know, you want more explosive traits on the edge. Nolan Smith has it more than most. 
talking all things NFL draft right now with Ian Cummings from Pro Football Network here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Want to get back to the quarterbacks real quick, and you've got Hendon Hooker going in round two, and there's a lot of folks that, and I, I, I've seen all the hype, I've seen all the conversation that, hey, this is the third best quarterback. It goes C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, and then Hendon Hooker, then Anthony Richardson and Will Levis. How much of that is just draft talk, trying to boost a guy's stock or whatever the case may be, or how much of that is reality that Hendon Hooker really could be the third best quarterback? For me personally, there's a big gap between even the fourth guy and, and Hendon Hooker. I think it's Anthony Richardson, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young on the top three. Will Levis is fourth, and he's in that first-round conversation too. And then I think Hooker is a, a well ways down. I think Hendon Hooker is still that top-five guy, right? You know, I would consider taking him because of the positional value late day two. You know, he has an early day three grade on my board personally. You know, I do think the tools are pretty good with him. You know, he's actually a solid athlete. He's got a solid arm. The, the concern with me is the offense that he's coming from, that Tennessee offense, you know, a lot of one-read throws, not traditional dropbacks where he's not going through multiple progressions. When he was forced to do that, a lot of times his process eroded, you know, whether it's pocket, you know, pressure sensation, you know, or, you know, the eyes drop under pressure too. You know, for me, he's too inconsistent in the pocket, in his process, when he's forced to go through multiple reads. And then at the same time, that Tennessee offense was predicated on spacing that, simply won't exist at the NFL level. Jalen Hyatt was very, his speed alone had kind of a gravitational effect on defenders, right? You know, he's such a dynamic talent. You know, a lot of times Hooker really had to make one read, you know, oh, is the defender biting on Hyatt or is he clamping down on the curl? You know, stuff like that. You know, it's not entirely translatable to the NFL level. And then taking other factors into account, he's going to be a 25-year-old rookie. He's, you know, the developmental runway is shorter with him. You know, he might be more set in his ways than the guy Richardson, who's only 21 years old and only has 13 starts. So with Hooker, it's just he might be stagnated at where he is, and I don't have complete confidence that the offense that he comes from is going to translate. I think he can be a solid backup or spot starter, but he's not in the conversation for the top four for me. Do you think that he could possibly be this year's Malik Willis? I actually had a guy hit me up and ask that question about, you know, Malik Willis had all the hype going into the draft last year, and then he went so late, right? There were so many questions about why is he still on the board, and then we saw what Tennessee did. Didn't even look like they wanted to play him, and who knows if he's going to be there this upcoming year. Could Hennon Hooker be getting that Malik Willis love right now? Yeah, you know, it could be that. I think the big the big difference with Willis is that last year's quarterback class, there was no no one had any idea who the top QB was going to be. <laughs> you know, like this this year we have a – specific group that is separated at the top guys that we know you know we don't know if they're going to pan out but we know they're franchise caliber prospects last year it was anyone's guess right kenny pickett some had him right but i had a day two grade on pickett he was my qb1 and i had a day two grade on him so that that tells you all you need to right. know you know there was no census number one guy and willis i think a lot of people gravitated to him because he had those tools but at the same time you go to the tape a lot of red flags that would maybe preclude him from going high. So I think with Hooker, it's different because he does have that group keeping him from the top. If it wasn't that way, maybe he'd be elevated a little bit and then kind of stall out on draft night. But I think that's a that's a difference to note. But, I mean, like you said, I do think he's a guy who, you know, maybe the hype gets, gets a little too much and then he ends up kind of falling on draft night. We'll see. But, you know, one thing I like to say always is it only takes one team to really be sold on a guy, and they can take him early, right? And we know Hooker's meeting with teams. We, we've heard that he's been impressive from a character standpoint. So we'll see. I, if, you, if you told me I had to make a choice right now, I had to make a guess, I'd say he probably goes somewhere in day two. But, you know, I do think, I, I do think it'll stall out a bit because I think the translation is a little bit more complicated with him. 
Good stuff. Good stuff. It's Ian Cummings here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness talking all things NFL draft. Just got a couple more questions for you. Go ahead, Demond. At number 78 in your mock draft, you got Darnell Washington from Georgia going to the Packers. Now, we know that this is a deep tight end draft, but what do you think would be some of those factors? Or maybe team isn't that teams aren't that in love with them because I've seen them in mocks going in the first round. Yeah, you know, I think, and, and I'll, I'll preface by saying this, my mock draft, I try to incorporate a little bit of my value board and, you know, what we're seeing, right, you know, what teams might prefer. So I try to do a mix of both. It's impossible to do one completely, like what you're predicting teams will do and what you would do. You know, you, you kind of have to mix both in. So Washington is a little bit lower on my board. Now, I could I could easily see a scenario where he goes very high, you know, early early second round. And I do think that he has the traits to, you know, convey interest in that range. I think, you know, you got to start with the size. He's phenomenal, you know, a phenomenal build, great length, great wingspan, an elite run blocker as well, which NFL teams will very much like. Um, that said, you know, he tested really well as an athlete. I don't think that athleticism is completely translatable on tape. You know, he does have good explosiveness in space, but he's not a super super flexible, fleet-footed athlete. I think he's pretty lumbering, you know, change of direction. He's not natural changing directions as a route runner. I don't think he has a great separation skill set. And then, you know, one of his calling cards is going to be red zone targets because he's so big and so strong, but his catching technique can improve too. He clap catches the ball sometimes where he should just guide it in with diamond technique. And when you clap catch, sometimes that can, you know, be a source of drops. So, you know, I think the idea of Darnell Washington is a little bit better than Darnell Washington himself as a prospect. Still a very fun player, and still a player that I would consider on day two. But I guess that place is a reflection of my view of him on my value board. I do think a team, if they're sold on the tools, they could easily take him in round two. And if you can get him to, if you kind of glean more of that natural athleticism out of him as a separator, then it can be worth it. And then obviously in the run game, he's like an extra offensive tackle. So it'll depend on team preferences, partly. But I do think, you know, there's a little bit of polarization there. I'm glad you mentioned your strategy going into making your mock, where it's also what do the teams need, but also where you have them on your board. And I think that you had five corners taken in the first round, but how many of those corners do you have giving them a first-round grade? Yeah, yeah. You know, I think um, I got Christian Gonzalez up there. I got Devin Witherspoon. Um, those are the two guys that are separated at the top. Deontay Banks is right outside my top 30, uh, so he's another one with a good grade. I think those are the three that are separated in that range for me. I think, um, you know, this corner class, the calling card of this corner class is the depth in the top 50, top 100 range. I think I have, I have well over a dozen in my top 100. I mean, this corner class is, you know, if you can't get one on in round one, you can easily get a starting corner in round two, round three, round four. Or, you know, the Raiders are a good example in this class, in, in this mock draft, getting Carrington Valentine early on day three. That's a dude who's six foot, 193, 32-inch arms, 4'4 speed, 39-inch vertical, 10'9 broad, getting Trey Tomlinson in round seven, who could fall because of his size, but I think he can be a high-level slot defender in the in the NFL. So, uh, yeah, I think those are the three that stand out to me as the, as the pure round one guys on my board. But I do think that this, the depth of this corner class and the athletic talent that's there, it's going to enamor a lot of teams. I thought you were going to bless the Raiders with Emmanuel Forbes out of Mississippi State. I just knew you were going to go there because you're reading my mind. <laughs> I like him a lot. What do you think of Forbes? I like him a lot, too. I think the, uh, being 166 pounds is going to be a, a, an interesting adjustment for the NFL. But, hey, you know, I got to say, it doesn't show up as an issue consistently on tape. You know, there are times de- deconstructing run blocks can be an issue for him. You know, but I do think for his size, he plays bigger than that. I think he plays, he's willing to get physical. 
And the big thing for, with Forbes, I think that's going to help him, you know, is he's very intelligent. He's very instinctive, uh, great route awareness and route identification, and he can fly it on plays. And he's got explosiveness and the speed to kind of close in and kind of undercut passes. And we saw, I think, I think he set the record for pick sixes in the career. Yep. You know, so he's a playmaker through and through. Um, he's, and that comes from a, a blend of athleticism, the closing speed, the explosiveness, but also, also the instincts to be in position and make those plays and the ball skills to convert to catch points. So the size will be a bit of an issue translating, but you know, it's one thing you got, if you look at the size and see it as an issue, kind of like with Bryce Young, you got to look at the tape and decide if he can counteract that. And I think that Emmanuel Forbes is another guy who can counteract that and be a good player. Final question for you, Ian, and obviously with trading up for uh, Bryce Young, the Raiders had to give up some draft capital. So with their next couple picks, you had uh, at pick number 38, you had the young man out of Northwestern, uh, out of, Ada Tomwia. <laughs> Good luck with that. Uh, Ada Bare. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, hard name. <laughs> you had. I'm not mad. I'm gonna I'm gonna work on that one. But you had him, and then the very next pick you had uh, Siaki Aika out of Baylor, the defensive tackle. So you got an edge rusher and a defensive tackle. How much could the combination of those two guys in particular really help out with what the Raiders are trying to do on the defensive line with Max Crosby? Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, one of the areas that I've zeroed in on is one that I wanted to target for the Raiders with the interior line. I think that's an area that you can definitely upgrade for sure. You know, Andrew Billings played no tackle for a little bit last season, but he left in free agency. So, you know, you've got to get something else there. And I think Adelomiwa Adebaware is the guy that I would, I would actually consider moving him to three-tech at the next level. You know, I think you can move him around three-tech, five-tech. You know, he's got the hybrid flexibility, but he's six foot two, 282 pounds. He's got 34-inch arms. He ran a 4.49 40-yard dash at the NFL Combine. So this is a freak athlete, insanely explosive off the snap. I mean, it's first step, and he's into contact just like that. But then his being six foot two and having 34-inch arms, that's a very good combination of natural leverage and proportional length. He can get under guys easier, and then with that proportional length, he can drive more power. You know, he can outreach guys. He can he can complete hand moves. So I love that combination that he has. Now, obviously, being 282 pounds. A little light. I would prefer to isolate one-on-one matchups if you're going to put him at three-tech, and that's why you get Siaki Ika at 100 overall because Siaki Ika is a six-foot-three, 335-pound mountain of a man <laughs> who can eat double teams. He can play. He can actually rush the passer. He, he showed off surprising flashes of burst and hand usage downhill. Consistency still an area where he can improve there, but his just his sheer mass and strength. I mean, this guy is strong as an ox on the interior. He can eat up double teams and isolate one-on-one matchups for a Devil War A, and that can in turn have a precipitative effect to Max Crosby on the edge. So, you know, I, I love how those two complement each other on the interior and how they kind of complete that defensive line. Even there, I would probably prefer to get more depth later, you know, and even in the UDFA pool. But I think that combination, those two guys, that's a really good core group to have. And I just got a tweet from our guy, Mailman Raider, and he said, hey, can you ask, is there a guy that has that never-stop, high-motor Mad Max type in this draft, like a guy that's similar to Mad Max where they just go, go, go all the time? Is there a particular player that you kind of point out when, you, when you're studying these guys? Yeah, well, there's a few that come to mind for me. I'll point out one. I think the Raiders drafted one, Byron Young from Tennessee. You know, if you're going with edge rushers, I think that's a guy who really has a hot motor. Now, he's going to be a 25-year-old rookie. You know, I wouldn't take him before day, day three, but I do think uh, 6'2", 250, you know, 4'4", 3, 40-yard dash, 38-inch vertical, 11-foot broad. He, he had uh, 12 and a half sacks and 23 and a half tackles for loss over the past two seasons. Juco guy who made his way up all the way. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he's relentless. I mean, this is a guy who brings constant energy on the field, you know, even second effort, third effort. You know, he's always charging downhill. 
Isaiah Fossey is another one kind of in the earlier rounds that I would choose as a really high-motor guy. I feel like he gets forgotten sometimes, but I have a top 25 grade on him still. Uh, six foot five, 269 pounds, 34-inch arms, 4.58, 40-yard dash, so another very explosive lineman. He's actually got a very good power profile, and then he's shown flashes of really, really good hand usage. So Isaiah Fossey, another high-motor guy. You know, when I hear the words high-motor, those are the first first couple guys that come to mind. And then I'll, I'll throw one out, one more out there. This is a linebacker, but Ivan Pace Jr. from Cincinnati. Uh, he's, he's an insane, you know, he plays like Mad Max. I mean, you play like any guy, you know, if I, or John Wick, you know, I, I saw a tweet, you know, about, you know, who plays like John Wick in this class because that movie just came out. Ivan Pace Jr., man. I mean, downhill, he is relentless with his energy, explosive heading into blocks. You know, he, he's a little undersized. I think he's around 5'10", but he is dense. He is a bowling ball, you know, with, with knives on him. He's just an insane type of player. I love guys who just charge in without any – without any hesitation, and that's Ivan Pace. But those are a few guys that come to mind for me. Great stuff. Fantastic breakdowns. Again, Ian Cummings right there from Pro Football Network. His piece he put out on the 8th. Uh, Cummings, 2023 NFL mock draft. Will it be Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, or Anthony Richardson for the Panthers? Ian, fantastic stuff. I, I want to ask you if you got anything else coming out that we should be on the lookout for, but I know that mock draft was a hell of a piece of work, but do you have anything else that you're working on that we should look out for? Man, right now it's just a scouting report updates. We still have a few that we're working through updates and kind of finalizing things. And, uh, yeah, we'll have top ten updates as well. Right, But right now that, I think that seven-rounder was my last one of the cycle. So <laughs> at this point there will be more mock drafts from other analysts and we'll be, uh, we'll be kind of covering all the bases heading into the draft. And we'll have a 2024 mock out at some oh, point. Oh, jeez. Like the next one. But, uh, yeah, the work never stops, man. That's the fun part about the NFL draft. It's the – like you said earlier, you know that, that's what makes it stressful sometimes. But hey, it's what we signed up for, so it's a fun time, the best time of year. No doubt, no doubt. Well, like I said, you guys do a great job over there at the site, and, and you did a fantastic job on your seven-round mock draft. And we definitely appreciate your time this afternoon. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. No doubt, no doubt. Great stuff right there, Ian Cummings, uh, Pro Football Network on Twitter at IC underscore Draft. That's at IC underscore draft if you're trying to get a hold of Ian Cummings. And, again, I encourage you to go check out his piece, profootballnetwork.com's uh, seven-round NFL mock draft. Again, it's called Cummings 2023 NFL mock draft. Will it be Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, or Anthony Richardson for the Panthers? And I know everyone has their own grading charts, and that's why we like to talk to a multiple uh, different people because, again, everyone's kind of looking at it from a different angle. And when you're 17 days out, you never know what angle the Raiders could be looking at and what other, other people are thinking about. So I thought that was some really good stuff from Ian Cummings. We definitely appreciate him this afternoon. 702-365-9200. You want to react to anything you heard, or you want to give us your top three options for the Raiders, what you want them to do at the top of the draft. 69187, keyword r 702-365-9200. We'll get to that. Plus, I was on with Kay Adams this morning, Up and Adams show on FanDuel TV. Uh, you'll hear that as well here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Many thanks to Ian Cummings from Pro Football Network at IC underscore draft for joining us in the last segment. Went longer with him than I expected, but I mean, he has some really good detailed answers and we really covered a lot of ground and that's what we're doing here. We've been doing it for a while. We like to bring different angles, like to have different discussion points. Don't want to just keep going over the same, same, you know, three, four, five handful of questions each and every day because that gets old and recycled and want to kind of deep dive. And I like to hear, and Damon, you actually brought up a good good point in the commercial break, is the fact that to, to Ian, the length of arms mattered almost in every position he talked about. 
Yeah, it was just something curious because Peter Skaronsky going at number 30, that's something that was a, wow, 30? But when he mentioned the arm length and some of those factors, and then the guys that he was that he praised, arm length was another big factor. It was the guy um, that he had the Raiders taking the defensive end that neither one of us can pronounce oh, the name, yeah. so I'm not going to. I was working on it. <laughs> but for him, arm length, that was a big factor for why the Raiders should choose him in yeah. at 6'2". And so for me, I wonder how much the teams factor that in. Obviously, it does matter. But how much? Would that be the difference of, well, this de- this defensive tackle or this, this guy on the edge, uh, we have him about the same, but we like what he can do with that arm length more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just something that I'm curious about. Yeah, no, it's a good question. It really is. And next time we have an opportunity to talk to someone who's in that position, like a Dave Ziegler, even a you know a Patrick Graham was a defensive coordinator, like, hey, how much does arm, arm length matter when you're looking at your defensive players? And he might say, oh, that's everything. Or he might say, I don't give a damn as long as he can play. <laughs> right? I mean, yes. you know, it, could go, it can go a lot of different directions. So I thought that was a good observation from you. Good stuff right there. 702-365-9200. Also, rwbroke.com. Text line is 69187, keyword R&R. We do have my sound with uh, Kay Adams from Up and Adams coming up in a little bit. But I do want to get to some calls. We haven't had too many calls yet. Uh, we've had a lot of great uh, guests on the show already between Ed Graney and Ian Cummings. And we still have Trevor Lane from LakersNation.com coming up at 4 o'clock. We want to hear from you. Again, so hit us up at 702-365-9200, just like our good friend Raider Mac did. Welcome to the show, Raider Mac. What's on your mind? What's up, Q? What's up, DeMond? Hey, Chilling. thanks for uh, having uh, Ian on, on there. But he, he's so inconsistent. He, he's inconsistent when he talks. <laughs> he's talking about – he's talking about – and ain't no way that kid – I mean, if Carolina does what he says in his mock draft, you go look at Albert um, – um, Breer. Uh, no, Albert Gear. Um, he's one of the most consistent guy in the last 10 years as far as mock draft. He's got one of the best. But my thing with this, why would you take – I mean, I keep saying the tape don't lie. This kid cannot throw he, – he is not accurate. You cannot go with a quarterback that's not accurate. And he, you see he got us get taken Bryce Young. But the Raiders not going to do that. They're not going to – I don't see them doing it because that's not the – this regime is not that type of regime. they more a uh, sit-back. And people can say, oh, the, um, that was Belichick and them. They're following everything Belichick does. You watch everybody. We bring in all these players from from the Patriots. But my, my, my guy is we, if, if we can't get Bryce Young, then if the, the number one guy would be that corner, um, Anthony um, – from- from uh, Oregon. Oh, Christian Gonzalez. Christian Gonzalez. I mean, the six two four three. Take that kid. You. We need help on the defense, like you said. And um, Richardson. He just can't. He, he's not accurate. You and Demond. Thanks for. Um, um, you were telling Ian about the the D lineman. I mean, not the D lineman, but the old lineman that that he says is going to be drafted. And th- there's no way that kid dropping the thirty unless. He had some drugs or some some other issues we don't know about, but he's not dropping on thirty. You look at Albert Albert um, Breer's uh, mock draft; he's one of the best in the last ten years, and he he's got us taking um, the kid from uh, Oregon, Oregon, uh, the cornerback, and that's what we need. Q, we don't need if we can't get a quarterback, we need to work on the defense. This defense has been bad for how many years? You know, everybody blamed Carr, and I'm not a Carr lover, but the kid never had a chance because the defenses were so bad. And what did you tell us? You told us get, if it was you as the GM, you would take all your draft picks would be defensive players. Is yep. that correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's me, though. That's me. <laughs> oh, I, 
no, I understand it, but 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 Q, you gotta you gotta resolve this problem. It, 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 you could bring in Joe Montana back in here. It still ain't gonna help. It help a little. No <laughs> Look at the Chargers. Look at the Chargers. Look at the Chargers. The Chargers. The the, the Chargers are building on both sides. So is Kansas City. Got Patrick Mahomes, but their defense when it time their their defense shuts down people when when it's time to do like they did in that Super Bowl to win it. But my thing is, Q, we gotta we gotta stay on par. And also a sleeper is the linebacker Drew Sanders. Watch that kid from Arkansas. Out of Arkansas, yeah, yep. Yeah, watch him. That that's another we we weak at linebacker. We gotta get we gotta get that other side of the ball fixed before we do anything else besides a quarterback. Okay. That, that, that's that that's all I'm saying, Q. I like get it. The other side of the ball fix. I like it. Hey, good call, Raider Mac. I like it. I, I ain't got no problem with it. I just know somebody's gonna take Anthony Richardson. I'm not saying the Raiders are gonna do it, but Carolina very well could. We asked Sheena Quick on Friday. She covers the Panthers. She said he's in the mix. Right? I mean, I think that it's gonna be Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. Like, that's my gut feeling. But all it takes is one team to get squirrely. Right? If if Carolina decides they want to get their, you know, get their stones up on the table and say, hey, we got Cam Newton 2.0, that's what they'll do. You know, I mean, it only takes one. And if a team doesn't do it before the draft, I can guarantee you this, that if C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young, you know, one of those guys are available at three, oh, yeah. somebody's definitely trading up oh, in. there's no doubt. There's no doubt. That's there's when no you'll see a real bidding war. And I, you, do, I do think if, the, if Young or Stroud is there at three, I think there's no doubt the Raiders will try to trade. I'm not saying they'll complete it. But I think they'll try. I think Tennessee, that's my dark horse. I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. I've said it multiple times. I think Tennessee sitting at number 11 would love to have the opportunity to trade up to number three and get a quarterback. I don't think Malik Willis is the guy. I know Ryan Tannehill ain't the guy. And the, the staff that they have there in Tennessee is not the staff that drafted Malik Willis. So you know what they can say? Just like uh, Arizona said when, they, they, when Cliff Kingsbury came in, I didn't draft him. That was on them. That was Josh Rosen. That was on them. Let's go ahead and ship him out, and uh, we're going to bring in Kyler Murray. I can see that happening. Why not? And it's a new staff. They ain't got no allegiance to nobody. That's that's how that's how the game works. Let's go out to the phone lines again. Thank you, Raider Mac, for the call. Let's hear from Hardcore Raider. What's on your mind? Welcome to the show. Thank you. How you doing, man? I'm blessed. Hey, uh, all right. So uh, I, I got a quick question. So, you know, if we were able to get, say, a franchise quarterback, a linebacker, a cornerback, and a defensive lineman that were all future starters, would you consider that a successful draft? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, see, so, so a while back you had uh, – it may, may have been for Pro Football Network. I, I don't remember where he was from. But he was talk, we were talking about uh, – you are asking questions about the Raiders draft and essentially like how many guys you got to hit in a draft. Yeah. And essentially the consensus, I believe, was like two, at least two, potentially three guys. I think three. So like, I think the Raiders need to come out of this draft with at least three starters and a potential fourth. Right. Okay. So uh, now I'm not, I'm not a, like a draft analyst, you know, expert, and I know – that's a hard job, so I'm, so I'm not saying I could do it. But, like, if we look back at the draft when uh, Jalen Hurts went, right, you had Joe Burrow, number one, Tua Tagovailoa, number five, Justin Herbert, number six, and then Jordan Love, number uh, 26, and then uh, Jalen Hurts went. I would argue that Jalen Hurts is better than Jordan Love and Tua Tagovailoa, um, possibly better than Justin Herbert, okay? So that means that, ju- that J- uh, Jalen Hurts was the fifth quarterback off the board, and I would argue he's at least top – two or three of the quarterbacks that went off of that, that draft. But all, all the like experts or so-called experts, dude, they were bashing on Jalen Hurts. They did not have him uh, very high. If we redid the draft, I bet you they would put him in the first round. And I don't know how they couldn't. The dude just went to a Super Bowl. 
So I guess my point is, is like, you know, you know, I'm big on him and hooker and I appreciate you asking him the question, but, um, you know, so some of this analysis, like I don't exactly agree with because, uh, some of these, sometimes these guys, and yeah, maybe it's a coin flip, but they miss on guys at times, you know, All the they time. hype up the guys that yep. are su- that are super, super hyped and they miss on other guys, dude. Jalen Hurts has five interceptions. He had 420 yards in a year that he got hurt rushing. Okay. 630 yards the year before rushing and then 630 the year before that the dude can run all over the place so everybody's hyping up anthony richardson if we want like studs i do think that there's guys if we get an additional second round pick that can be potentially super studs whether that's d tackle linebacker cornerback there's going to be guys in the second round where if we trade back and we get an additional second pick we can uh, develop and have our future guys for this team so you want, you know everybody wants to develop the defense. We can do it, and everybody can be hyped up on these other guys, and they then go get their Anthony Richardson or whoever they want, and we could trade back, you know, maybe to the Titans or someone else mid round and go get our guy Hinton Hooker. I'm, I'm putting it out there right now before the draft, and I've said it before. People are going to look back years from now if the Raiders don't get him, we're going to be kicking ourselves why nobody was uh, pounding the drum for Hinton Hooker. But that's all I got to say. I'll put my neck on the line. I like it. Good call. Good call, Hardcore Raider. And I'll say this. There might have been a lot of those draft experts that were dogging Jalen Hurts. I know one guy who's not a draft expert that was not dogging Jalen Hurts. One guy that was pounding the table hoping that the Raiders would select Jalen Hurts in round one instead of Damon Arnett. I was hoping. I, I said it from – I can get, I'll tell you this. The year that Jalen Hurts came out, the second time the Raiders played Kansas City that season. You can go back. I don't know exactly what week it is. But you can go back. After that second game that the Raiders played Kansas City, I walked my tail to the radio station. I was in Texas and went and recorded my podcast, and I immediately said that day, Jalen Hurts is the guy they need to get. And I stayed steadfast on that all the way through the draft, even after the draft to the point people got tired of me talking about Jalen Hurts. Don't talk about him. He's an eagle now, this and that. And everyone and their mother told me he can't throw. He's not accurate. He fumbles the ball. He's this, that, and the other. He got benched. Everybody and their mother told me that. And I still said he's got the work ethic to work his tail off and get better. He didn't, he didn't tuck his tail in between his legs and take his ball and go home and cry when he got benched. All he did is stay ready. And when Tua went down and they needed him to get into the game, he got into the game and did his role. Then he went to Oklahoma in a different scheme under Lincoln Riley and succeeded as well and got all the way to New York as a Heisman Trophy finalist. So I'm with you. Guys miss all the time. Doesn't mean that you know I'm right all the time because I miss all the time too. But that was one guy that I was dead on about, and I was spot on about that one. So you might be right with Hendon Hooker. I like Hendon Hooker a lot. Hated that he tore his ACL. Hated it. I thought he should have been in New York with the Heisman Trophy finalists. Only five interceptions in two seasons. The only thing I'm concerned about when it comes to Hendon Hooker is the offense he's coming out of. That Josh Heupel scheme is very similar to Art Bryles and what they did at Baylor. That's, that's the only concern I have when it comes to Hendon Hooker. Age be damned. I don't care. It's the offense that he's coming out of, but he did have some good offense at Virginia Tech that is not that Josh Heupel offense, so maybe that's something to lean on as well. But thank you for the call. Great stuff. 3.43 is the time. We'll come back, close out hour number two of the show just that fast, and we'll get to Trevor Lane at the top of the hour. And on the way, before the show is over, power trip tickets. We have them. That's Guns N' Roses, Iron Maiden, ACDC, Ozzy Osbourne, Metallica, Tool, three-day music festival. We're sending you before the show's over. It's Rare Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Coming up at 4 o'clock, Trevor Lane, LakersNation.com. We'll talk about the play-in tournament, Lakers and the T-Wolves, and what he expects 
for the Lake Show. See if they can get it done. LeBron James, he's doing his thing. AD hasn't got hurt, so that's a positive when it comes to all things Lakers. Join us at 4 o'clock. He'll be uh, our guest. Then, of course, we still have those power trip tickets that we'll be giving out. Very excited about that. But this morning, I was very excited to be a part of Up and Adams. That's the Kay Adams show on FanDuel TV. And uh, I was not by myself. Sheena Marie was on covering uh, the Panthers. That's her, her name on Twitter. Sheena, Sheena Marie 3 is actually Sheena Quick. Uh, she's been on our show many times. Stacy Ross, who's in, C- in Seattle covering the Seahawks. She was on the show. Uh, Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus was on the show talking all things NFL draft. And then I was on the show talking Raiders and the NFL draft. Here's that conversation. Let's bring in the host of Lockdown Raiders and on-air personality for LB Sports Network as well. He covers everything Raiders and Vegas. Your boy Q, hello. Hey, what's happening? How you doing? Happy belated birthday. It's good to see you. Thank you. Thank you. Still recovering from that. Now listen, uh, are y'all jumping? Are y'all jumping up and taking a quarterback? What's going on? Well, I'll tell you, it, it depends. It depends on who's actually there at number three. And this is a discussion we've had quite a bit. And it's really coming down to, from everything I've heard, if C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young happens to be there at number three, which I don't think is going to happen, mm. if one of those two guys is available at number three, I think there's a real possibility that the Raiders go make a move for him. Outside of him or Stroud and, and, and Young, I don't think that they will because there's so many other holes that they have to fill, mainly on the defensive side of things. Okay, but when you bring in Jimmy G, you're bringing an inherent injury risk. It's right. just true. You look at the games played, you need to have a better backup plan, especially with Devontae Adams and a good defense and a competitive division. You know these things. So they did. Tell me if I'm wrong. Will Levis was in the building. Yep. Uh, and then Anthony Richardson, just there over the weekend, the reviews I'm hearing, very positive for Richardson. If they were to trade up, who would you like them to get? That's a that's a great question. We've gone back and forth so many times, and, and it's so funny because my my brain, my smart football brain that I like to think that I have, tells me build up the defense, build up the defense, build up the defense. Yes, Jimmy G is a is an injury yeah. risk, but at the same time, Anthony Richardson's on my shoulder saying, "Q, I am the best dynamic quarterback in this draft. <laughs> draft me, draft me, draft me." So I'm very torn on the situation, but I do think that the defense is so needed. I really do. And I, I think that there's an opportunity uh, for the Raiders to really turn this thing around. They have 12 draft picks going into this draft. So I think Dave Ziegler, uh, the Ooh. GM, has a lot of opportunity to really get this thing turned around and give Max Crosby some help. And look, if one of those quarterbacks falls like Stroud or, or Young, go get them by all means. Uh, if not, then they'll have some decisions to make. But my gut feeling tells me that they're going to go with defense at number seven. And what kind of defense? I mean, that cornerback, Weatherspoon? Man, I like Weatherspoon a lot. I always say, okay, the DBs win games. I like Weatherspoon. I like Gonzalez. But they need they need line help, too. They need yeah. an interior guy to, t- to fit the tackle. They need edge rusher. I mean, that's the beautiful thing about where the Raiders are sitting and I guess having as many holes as they have. They really can't go in a bad direction, right? If they trade up to go get the quarterback of the future that they they really believe in, great. If they start building up that defense, even better, right? So I think that Weatherspoon would be the pick if, you know, a Tyree Wilson is already gone. Um, I don't think that Jalen Carter is a guy that they're they're looking at just for multiple reasons. Uh, you know, there's but but they could. You know, I mean, there's so many different different directions that they go. If it was me right now, I'd probably pencil in Witherspoon. I just think he's he's what Patrick Graham wants to do defensively. That would be the guy that I penciled in at number seven. They also could trade back a, a few picks and still get a really good player on defense because the def- this this draft is really loaded with defensive players. And get more picks. They right. got, I mean, Baltimore is looking at them with their five measly picks, saying you have <laughs> right. how many, and you might even trade back. Right. But everyone's saying it's not that you don't want to be in the being in the first round isn't cool. 
Right. You don't want to be the first person to show up to the party. You don't want to be in the first round. Move into the second round, move into the third round. That's where it's at, at least for this season. That's Devin Witherspoon. You're talking about yep. the Illinois product. We'll ask Mike Renner of PFF about him. Uh, and Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon will ask uh, him as he is sizing up numbers-wise and looking at what they can do and how they can impact these different teams. Uh, are you a Jimmy G guy? I can't tell because you got Anthony Richardson's on your shoulders telling you to draft him. And we're talking like move back in the draft. Don't say so you're a bona fide Jimmy G believer. No, no, no. I, I believe that he's going to get injured. Right. And that's been my biggest fear. I think he's a good oh, guy. Right. I think he's a good quarterback. You know, he knows Josh McDaniels really well. He knows what Josh McDaniels is going to want to do. Every player that's come in uh, that they signed in free agency all have said how much they're excited to play with Jimmy G. But, Kay, I mean, my biggest fear is that he's going to get injured because that's what we see. We see him get injured, so I don't want to close my eyes and act like it doesn't happen, right? That'd be foolish. So I believe that he's a guy that's that's injury-prone. They just signed Brian Hoyer. He's a backup. Okay, that's great. But at some point, you do have to get your quarterback of the future. Is it now or is it later? Yes, now or is later is a good question. Uh, as for now and later, this uh, offseason, I'm going to have to put those you know ridiculous rankings together for <laughs> how I feel like the division's going to shake out. Where am I putting the Raiders? Oh, man, that's a great question. I mean, you've got to... <laughs> Sean Payton's now with Denver. I think they're still a little ways away. Um, I, I honestly believe if the Raiders could put things together, I think that they can compete with, with the Chargers. I, I think they can. The Chiefs are obviously the best team in the division. There's no doubt about it. But I think that the Raiders will give the, the Chargers a, a run for their money. They, could, they compete with them each and every year really tough, even when the team doesn't have as much talent. So I think that they, it should be fair to rank them with the Chargers kind of neck and neck, and the Broncos still behind. Uh, but they're about a year away. I think that Sean Payton's going to get those, that, uh, that Bronco team turned around. It's funny, you bring up Sean Payton, who's got a lot of adversity. Like, what is wrong with Russell Wilson? He's got to start there. He's got to start with, does he get along with Russell Wilson? Right. He's a brash guy. Mm -hmm. He's a real... Russell is not that. How is that going to work? The the Hackett experience didn't work really well. So when you're talking about where to put these Raiders, I look right at Josh McDaniels. Because Mm -hmm. to me, and you brought up the coach for the Broncos, your coach is paramount in this. I don't think people are giving enough credit to how important it is and how he's an ex he's he's a he's a hard ass right josh mcdowns he likes what he likes he wants it how he wants it he got what he wanted jimmy g is his boy he yep. knows jimmy g he knows how he operates he knows that just that alone just that they get along and that that should be gravy for this season i think people aren't talking about enough I agree with you, you know, and, and getting over, getting to know Josh over the past year. I mean, he is a guy that, like you mentioned, is a hard ass. He's a guy who wants it his way as far as coaching. I think he's a really great guy in the hallways as far as personality. But when it comes to coaching and you'll hear him out there at training camp, he'll be barking at the players. I mean, he's he wants it his way. And so I think the players that matter, the Max Crosby's, the Devontae Adams, the alpha dogs on the teams, that the, the fact that they appreciate him and, and embrace him, I think that that goes a long way. And then, of course, they brought in a lot of players over the course of the offseason that have Patriot ties like a Jacoby Myers, Jimmy G, like you mentioned, they know what's expected and they chose to come play for Josh McDaniels. So I think that goes a long way as well. Uh, I'm just excited to see how they put this all together. They have their guys in place, KS. No longer, well, this is the team you inherited. Now it's, okay, these are your guys and the draft picks are going to be your guys. So now you are really going to be tasked with having to turn this team around because six wins is not going to cut it. Jimmy G to Devontae Adams will be a thing of beauty. All the headlines this morning about Lamar to Odell, but that right. I can't wait to see what that looks like with that creativity out of that coach that wears a visor who is a hard ass. We appreciate you. Your boy Q covering everything for the Raiders and Las Vegas sports for LV Network. 
There she goes right there. Kay Adams, that was the conversation I had with her this morning. Lots of fun. It's always fun to catch up with her. We just saw her at the Super Bowl in Phoenix not too long ago. And so anytime that uh, her and her people call, I'm definitely going to answer the call. (laughs) I'm definitely going to say, yeah, sure. You want me on the show? I got you. So hopefully you enjoyed that conversation with Kay Adams. Let's give some stuff out. How about we give some stuff out? How about call number nine right now? 702-365-9200. You've got a pair of tickets waiting for you here to Power Trip. What is Power Trip? Power Trip is going on October 6th, 7th, and 8th in Pyre Polo Club, uh, home of Coachello. Three nights, six bands. Friday night, Guns N' Roses and Iron Maiden. Saturday night, ACDC and Ozzy Osbourne. Sunday night, Metallica and Tool. Caller number nine is going to get a pair of tickets to that. That's about a $1,200-something package that we're hooking you up with right now. 702-365-9200. This is Red Nation Radio 920.